coming up on The Exam Room. Five foods that can really help strengthen the body's natural ability to fight off the cold, the flu, and everything else. In fact, there's a lot more than five, and we're going to talk about them today, I hope. But let me give you my five uh, tops. Number one, people know about oranges. They are number one, really for two reasons. One is they actually are high in vitamin C. Vitamin C, ascorbic acid, is an antioxidant and a good, solid immune booster. It works. But the other thing about oranges is that they're kind of a, a symbol for a lot of foods that are in that category, starting with the other citrus fruits, whether it's grapefruit or lemons or limes. But the other vitamin C-rich foods that we don't tend to think of right away, like, say, the peppers that garnish your salad or something like that. So vitamin C-rich foods should be front and center. Oranges are my archetypal food for that. Number two, garlic. Yes, it's true. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast in the U.S. and in more than 150 countries. Hi to everyone listening in Everett, Washington, Manchester, New Hampshire, and Krakow, Poland. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 89 of season 6, number 485 overall. You know, your immune system is constantly getting a workout. It is a gym rat if there ever was one. It's fighting off viruses and bacteria that only have one goal in mind, to make you sick. And whether it's a cold or the flu or something even more sinister, a healthy immune system means a healthy you. And so today is all about ramping up your body's natural ability to fight off these invaders. So we're going to be talking about the foods that can turbocharge the defense mechanisms that reside inside of you. Dr. Neil Barnard is with us, and he brings a list of five foods that you should be eating that can really strengthen your immune system. So we're going to be giving you some ideas to fill your shopping cart and also cluing you in on why your ability to fight off illness is so tightly connected to what is on your menu. So yeah, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Everybody has heard that, but what if that apple comes in the way of an apple pie? What's the difference there? Much different packaging. Dr. Neil Barnard has a pretty sweet breakdown on that. Also, we're going to be opening up the doctor's mailbag. Got a lot of questions from the exam roomies who were able to join us live this week. Questions about refined sugar's impact on the immune system. Speaking of apple pie. Plus, raw food versus cooked food and the difference in inflammation there and whether that inflammation then has an impact on the immune system. Also, whether all... Across the board, all animal proteins are inflammatory. Whether a high-fat diet can derail your ability to fight off viruses and dairy, what is its impact on suppressing the immune system, plus green tea, and a lot more. But before we get started, before we get into the tips for the immune system, a quick ask. 
And that is if you feel like you're going to raise your health IQ by a point or two, or you already have, go ahead, subscribe, follow to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows, because that is how we get this information to people in mass. We want to get this out there to as many people as possible because we know the power of preventative medicine. We know how much a healthy diet can impact your quality of life. So let's improve the quality of life for so many people. And one of the best ways to do that is to get to the top of the podcast ranking. So when somebody clicks on nutrition, boom, right there, the exam room is the first thing that they see because you know that the information on this program could quite possibly change or even save their life. So head over to Apple or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows, and let's make the world a healthier place by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating. And to that end, have a nice note from an exam roomie who left a great review that I'm going to share after our conversation with Dr. Barnard today. So let's get right to it. Get healthy. Build up a strong immune system with the one and only Dr. Neil Barnard. Let's go ahead and welcome Dr. Barnard to the show. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you, Chuck. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. You know, I feel like with it being uh, the start of November and certainly things have gotten a lot colder here in the Washington area in the last couple of days, I kind of feel like the cold and the flu season is upon us. So this is a really good time to be having this conversation. You said it. It absolutely is. It's on everybody's mind. All right. But before we get to that, I want to talk to you also about the big show that we have coming up November 7th at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. You and I, Dr. Barnard, are going to be doing the live show and hanging out with the entire Esselstyn family. I cannot wait for this. Um, as a matter of fact, we have a special invitation from Rip from Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn and Ann Jane, especially for you. Please join us for a night to remember in Washington, D.C. We are honored to be receiving the Midge Stuber Ambassador Award for a Better World at the National Press Club on November 7th. We're gonna celebrate by joining Dr. Neil Barnard, Chuck Carroll, and all of our friends at PCRM for a live recording of the Exam Room Podcast. And we would love for you to be there as well. So come on out and let's have some fun and reflect on this incredible journey that we've all had together. It sure has been one. I love Anne Esselstyn. I mean, she just exudes energy, right? Come on out. I just, I love it so much. I can't wait to see her and the rest of the gang in person, Dr. Barnard. That whole family is a ball of fire and they're movers and shakers and they've inspired people and healed people, given them tips to to change their lives. So I'm delighted that we're going to be able to spend some time together to honor them and also to learn from them. For sure. Now, last week, we let the proverbial cat out of the bag that everybody's wearing red that night in honor of heart health and uh, all of their contributions to cardiovascular fitness. Um, so my question to you is this. I think last week you said that you had a pair of red socks. Have you been <laughs> able to find them in your dresser? Well, I found my Ferrari sweatshirt. I'm just trying to figure out. It, it is, let me tell you, it is red. I'm not sure if it quite says press club, but we're going to see. All right. That's right. I forgot about the Ferrari sweatshirt. I, yeah, I'm begging you. Please wear it. Please absolutely right. wear it. Uh, that is fantastic. All right. Let's talk about the immune system, uh, Dr. Barnard. You ready for this? You bet. 
All right. So they say an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Before we get to your list of five foods, though, my wife said to me when I told her what the topic was today, she's like, yeah, but make sure that you ask him what the difference is between eating an apple and the benefit you get from that versus if you were to eat an apple pie and how it's been cooked and processed. So does the body get bigger benefit from that raw apple than the apple pie? Good heavens. Absolutely. Day and night, Chuck. Um, first of all, the apple, um, what it has is it's got everything that, that went into that apple. It's got the natural healthy carbohydrate. It's got the natural fiber. It's got the antioxidants and the vitamins that are inside. The apple pie, well, that may not have all of the apple because some of it has been cooked out of it. And what do they add? Butter, shortening, sugar, junk, mm -mm, day and night. Absolutely. Okay. Day and night. So it's all about the packaging. We're going to get into that in a little bit as well. I know that we already have a question from an exam roomie kind of along those lines, but I want to get to what it is that we were talking about at the top of the show. And that is your list of five foods that can really help strengthen the body's natural ability to fight off the cold, the flu and everything else. Okay. Terrific. In fact, there's a lot more than five and we're going to talk about them today, I hope. But let me give you my five uh, tops. Number one, People know about oranges, and oranges are high in vitamin C. They are number one for really, really for two reasons. One is they actually are high in vitamin C. Vitamin C, ascorbic acid, is an antioxidant and a good, solid immune booster. It works. But the other thing about oranges is that they're kind of a, a symbol for a lot of foods that are in that category, starting with the other citrus fruits, whether it's grapefruit or lemons or limes. But the other vitamin C-rich foods that we don't tend to think of right away, like, say, the peppers that uh, garnish your salad or something like that. So vitamin C-rich foods should be front and center. Oranges are my archetypal food for that. Number two, garlic. Yes, it's true. Researchers in England put people on garlic, and they showed that their number of colds coming up in the upcoming months was cut quite dramatically. Now, garlic is sort of like an orange in the sense that it represents other foods too. The whole allium family, that's the garlic, it's onions, shallots, leeks, scallions, all of them have various effects, but the best studied are garlic. Put them in your list. And you know all the ways that you can put garlic in, a sauce, in a stir fry, raw, cooked, either way, it's good. Number three, people know that they need zinc, that zinc is important for many things in the body, including immune function. And people say, well, there's zinc in meat, there's zinc in pills. What's the best source? The best source is that humble bean. Beans have lots of zinc in them in the healthiest possible form. And that's the whole group of beans. I'm talking black beans, pinto beans, garbanzo beans, and their lentil cousins. So beans are number three. And now I got two more. This is going to surprise you a little bit, but I'm going to say soy milk and all its cousins of non-dairy milks. Why? Because many people will turn to dairy. Uh, they want to have a glass of warm milk before bed or whatever. That's about the worst thing you can do for the immune system. So anything that replaces dairy is good. Soy milk is the best known. So that was on my list. And my last one, Chuck, dragon fruit. Dragon fruit? You know why? Because there aren't any dragon fruit at your grocery store. So you've got to lace up your sneakers and go running and running and running and running to find it. And exercise is good for your immunity. 
Uh, I see what you did there. I was like, dragon fruit. I was like, what? I was like, I've never heard that on the immune boosting thing, but that that's, that's very smart. So the exercise actually then works in conjunction with all of these other healthy foods you've been talking about. How does physical activity actually work to ramp up the immune system? Okay. Well, we know that exercise is good for us in many ways, but the ex- first of all, the exercise itself helps build immunity. And that's probably part of what nature has designed into the human body, that our bodies are put on alert when we're exercising so that the white blood cells are strengthened. But there's another aspect of exercise. Exercise makes your muscles tired. And when you're a little bit more fatigued at the end of the day, your sleep is more sound. And sleep is an immune booster as well. If you've got no exercise at all, if the only exercise you got was your thumbs on your cell phone, you don't sleep very well because you're, you're just not as tired as you would otherwise be. And without that sleep, you don't get the good immune system. Absolutely. And I, the you talk to somebody, they'll tell you, well, you need maybe five, five and a half hours of sleep a night. You talk to others, they say the sweet spot is exactly at eight. Others say, well, you need even more than that. What in your research have you found is kind of that sweet spot for how much sleep we should be aiming for every night? You said it, Chuck. The more, the better, really. Um, Unfortunately, in modern life, and sometimes when people get a little bit older, they find themselves waking up after five or six hours of sleep. That's often because they were so sedentary uh, before. Um, A good rule of thumb, though, really is when your clock strikes 10, go to sleep. So don't try to sleep in in the morning if you just, your body's calling you to wake up. Front load by going to bed a little earlier, and that way you get your booty rest. Good to know. Absolutely good to know. All right. So exercise, eat well, get good sleep. Seems like you put those three things together. You're in really good shape in terms of having a healthy, strong immune system. Yes. Yeah, you know, that's, that's right, Chuck. But a lot of people don't know what the immune system is, though. They, they might be thinking, what is it? Is it just some weird thing in my blood? And the immune system, it, it, it's, it's you. It's white blood cells that are made in your bone marrow. And they're in various clusters and collections in the body, as well as coursing through your blood. And those white blood cells are doing two things that are really important. One is that they make antibodies. So the white blood cell is the, tor- is the submarine, and it sends out torpedoes that are protein antibodies that can attack a virus or attack a bacterium that's, that's trying to attack you, and it can knock it out. But the second thing that white blood cells do is certain specialized cells actually wrap around that invader engulf them and break it apart. So that's what your immune system is. So when I'm talking about building up my immune system, I just want those white blood cells to be stronger, to be able to make those torpedoes, those antibodies, and to not be distracted by things that aren't really threats. There's a lot of foods that get uh, the immune system activated inappropriately. We want to avoid those. So that's what a strong immune system really is. You know, and that makes me wonder, ever since I began eating a plant-based diet seven some odd years ago now, um, I've noticed that when I have blood work done, my white blood cell count has actually been lower than it had been in years past. Is that anything of concern if you're eating a plant-based diet or is that kind of normal when you're eating this way? That's normal. It's very common. It happens to just about everybody. Your white blood cells are better. They're stronger. You don't need such a, you don't need so many. 
All right. Good to know. Good to know. All right. Let's go ahead and open up the doctor's mailbag. Um, the first question today, Dr. Barnard, comes to us from Gloria. It kind of follows up. We were talking about apples versus apple pie. Gloria is looking for one of the key ingredients in that apple pie, and that is refined sugar. So if you're eating foods that have a lot of refined sugar in them, what impact does the sugar itself have on the immune system? Well, there are a number of studies that have shown that sugar impairs immunity. Um, and that people who are consuming a lot of sugar may have less immune strength. However, the research is going a bit further and saying it may not be just the fact that you're having sugar, but the question may be also how your body handles it. We've known for a long time that people with type 2 diabetes, whose bodies are having trouble handling sugar, meaning if they eat something with sugar in it, the sugar doesn't get into their cells. It's not stored properly. It's still circulating in their blood because their insulin isn't able to move it from the blood into the cells. They run into higher risk of Alzheimer's disease, higher risk of heart disease, and higher risk of immune-related problems. Now, let's say, on the other hand, you're on a healthy diet. That, in turn, has improved your insulin function so that when you eat something with sugar in it, an apple, a banana, an orange, you name it, that sugar goes through the blood, but it exits very quickly into your cells. In this case, no problem. So. If you have a persistent high blood sugar, we think that is a problem. But the answer to it isn't just to think, well, I don't want to have sugary foods or anything sweet. The answer is to make sure that your blood sugar control is strong. And how do I do that? Get away from all the fatty junk because it's the fats in meats, in dairy products, in fried foods that gets into your cells and stops your insulin from being able to do its job. So that surprises people. Yes, sugar can be a problem. But the way to make your sugar work better is to get the fatty foods uh, foods out of your diet so the fat comes out of your cells and your cells can process the sugar uh, as they are supposed to. And as somebody is perhaps gravitating toward a plant-based diet and they have been struggling with insulin resistance, high blood sugar levels, should they be concerned about adding whole pieces of fruit to their diet? Or are they a little bit safer because, as we've talked about on the show in the past, they come packaged with a lot of fiber. Maybe that slows the absorption. So got to be some difference between that and, say, eating, oh, I don't know, one of your kids' candy bars that they got trick-or-treating the other day. Absolutely, because that candy bar, it's got some sugar in it, but it has just as much. If you if you look at the calories, calories from fat are at least as much as the calories from sugar. The fat particles go from your digestive tract into your bloodstream, into your muscle cells. The fat also gets into your liver cells, and that stops your insulin from working so that the sugar now can't get into the cell anymore and you are insulin resistant. So the answer is just what you said, Chuck. Throw out the candy bar, have the apple, have the tangerine, have the banana, whatever it is. And I know people are afraid of these things because, oh my goodness, it's got high sugar in it. Um, it has the natural form of sugar that's gentle on your blood sugar, and it tends over time to cause your body to react to insulin as it should, and your overall blood sugar is going to come down. So if you're teetering on the edge of any kind of blood sugar problem, pre-diabetes or diabetes itself, you want fruit in your diet. You want vegetables, you want whole grains, you want beans, because these naturally, almost no-fat foods allow your uh, natural insulin resistance uh, to, to melt away, and you get uh, insulin sensitivity replacing it. 
Let's take an interesting question here from Corinne, who is wondering in terms of the impact it has on your immune system, whether eating a raw diet is more beneficial or eating a cooked food diet is better for the immune system. What does the research show, show there, Dr. Barnard? Well, you know, you'd have to assume that raw is going to be better because let's, let's, let's be clear. We did not evolve as a species with sterno. You know, we're not cooking everything. So the foods that we're built for and that all animals are built for are the ones that are uncooked. Here's the problem. We don't really know what those foods are. So you might say, for example, well, I'll have my raw thing will be a salad. And you look at that red tomato on top. Well, wait a minute. Tomatoes are actually a new world food. That's a North American food. And our species began in Eastern Africa. And tomatoes weren't growing there. Um, okay, well, wait a minute. Maybe raw peanuts. Oh, wait a minute, that's a North American food too. So the, the question in my mind is, raw generally is better, but what were the raw foods that are really most natural to humankind? That we don't really know. The other thing I got to say is that some foods don't really work very well raw. Uh, broccoli, great for you, but very hard to digest unless you all right, let's take a follow-up from Corinne, who's wondering then whether the raw diet is perhaps more beneficial for somebody who uh, is battling cancer at the moment or another autoimmune disorder. Well, it's the same kind of things that we don't know which foods are the, are the best. Generally, raw is good. Um, and for anyone who's dealing with cancer, um, you're going to get all kinds of advice, some of it good, some of it maybe not so good. Um, but for the hormone-related cancers, like prostate in men, breast in women, and the digestive cancers, like colorectal cancer in particular. In both of these cases, evidence strongly points toward a plant-based diet, get rid of the animal products, both to reduce the risk that it will strike and to improve survival after the fact. So raw is good, but the whole range of plant-based foods is good as well. We have somebody in the chat right now who writes in like, I always thought that I had a really strong immune system. I haven't even had a cold in close to two decades. But now, unfortunately, that person was also diagnosed with cancer. So how could somebody have a really strong immune system where they're not really susceptible to the common cold yet still fall prey to a disease like cancer? Well, two things could be said. Um, the first is that there are different mechanisms of transmission. Um, a person can be exposed to carcinog carcinogenic substance, even if they've been really trying to take good, good care of themselves. Colds are typically airborne viruses, and they come through maybe uh, people around you not having the world's best hygiene. So these things, diet makes a difference in both cases, but the mode of transmission is different. The other thing that I do want to say, and people should, should realize, that your body is never perfect. You can have done a really good job with a healthy diet, but things can still happen. It's sort of like the car. You drive it out of the lot and you change the oil. Every time you're supposed to, you really baby this new car. Things happen and they happen in our bodies too. So we do our best to take care of ourselves as best we can. All right. If you have a question for Dr. Barnard, post it in the comments or in the chat. Let's fill up that doctor's mailbag as much as we possibly can. We're going to get to as many as we can here on the show today. Next question, Dr. Barnard, comes to us from Terry, uh, wondering not so much about foods, but spices and what spices may help to strengthen our immune system. Oh, what a great question. Uh, well, number one has got to be turmeric. Turmeric is that yellowish, yellow-orange 
a spice that's used in cooking. It's also used in dyeing clothes to give them a, a yellowish color. And it has been studied many, 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 many times for all kinds of things, for its anti-inflammatory action, which seems to also translate into better immune strength. Number two is ginger. Uh, ginger it has been shown to have anti-inflammatory and immune-boosting actions too. And the third one is a little bit funny. That's cinnamon. Uh, cinnamon is used for lots of things in the kitchen. But researchers have been noticing that it does seem to actually have an antibacterial action. So with a little bit of cinnamon on top of that morning French toast, maybe uh, the bacterial uh, antibacterial effects will help you too. All right. Now, a little bit earlier, you said that oranges were in your list of five immune system boosting foods. But we have a question from Nilly, who's wondering whether organic citrus is preferable to conventional when it comes to that. What do we know there? Organic is always better than non-organic. And, it's, and yes, it's worth paying for. Um, so I'm always going to vote for organic. However, organic matters more for foods where you're going to eat the peel. So if you're going to buy an apple and you're not going to peel it, you're going to eat the peel, buy it organic. And orange, what are you going to do with that peel? You're going to take it off and throw it away. So organic is still good, but the traces of externally applied pesticides on an orange, not, not really so high. Uh, and if you're at a store where the only choice is not non-organic, it beats the heck out of buying spam. <laughs> Any day. Right. Note to self, if it comes between conventional produce and spam, go with the produce, hands down. Uh, the proof is in the pudding, so they say. Uh, Ruska1218 says, Dr. Barnard could not be more right about sleep. I work a rotating shift and average between three and five hours, but I started running and it helped a lot with the quality of sleep. So there you go. Lace up those sneakers, my friends. So, yeah, it, it, it really makes such a difference. Uh, and so many people, they feel like, oh, well, I'm just not sleeping well because I'm under stress or I'm getting old or whatever. But when we do kind of what Nike said to do, just do it. Forget whatever the excuses are. Just do it. And it's good for your brain. It's good for your body. Good for your sleep. Yeah. You know, it was a tip that you actually said on the show. It must be like three years ago now. And you were like, at about 10 o'clock, just start shutting everything off, right? And just train your body to, to fall asleep. You know, and I kind of got in that routine. Matter of fact, I set my uh, my watch to remind me now. Ten o'clock, I get a little reminder. It's almost your bedtime. Start shutting things down, and sure enough, man, it has helped tremendously. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, we were talking about low white blood cell count when it comes to eating a plant based diet, but Richard Hubbard is wondering also about perhaps low blood pressure. Twelve eighteen, he said, is there ever a blood pressure that is too low? He says, I'm never dizzy and I feel great, but someone said my blood pressure reading was a bit low. It's 100 over 65. What do you say to that, Dr. Barnard? I say that's a good one. You could sell that on eBay. That's a darn good <laughs> blood pressure. Um, <laughs> that's fine. It's not too low. And, and when people are physically active, in particular, their blood pressures tend to run on the low side. When a person is very, very sedentary, especially if you're gaining a little bit of weight, your blood pressure comes up, you get physically active, all these things bring your blood pressure down. 100 over 60, fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. Um, Lenny, oh man, here is a good one. Inflammation. Do all animal proteins cause inflammation in the body? What do you think about that? Well, I think animal proteins come in different categories. 
And let me, there's a special place in hell for dairy protein because when we look at people who have, say, asthma or other autoimmune conditions, all animal proteins could be suspect, but it seems to be the dairy proteins that are the biggest issue. And the reason we say that is when you take aspects of the diet out, you take away the dairy. That seems to make the most clinical improvement of any. So they, they may all be uh, inflammatory in various ways, but I think the dairy proteins are probably the worst of a lot. Uh, and when it comes to just general inflammation and the immune system, do we want to keep that inflammation on the lower level to make sure that our immune system is working at peak performance? Exactly, exactly. Uh, it, let, let's say you grew up like I did, in a place where ice cream was something everybody had at the end of a meal and a glass of milk in the morning, what you suddenly have is all these proteins, animal proteins racing around in your digestive tract, traces of getting into your bloodstream, and to your immune system, they seem to masquerade as viruses or as other invaders. That's confusing and distracting to your immune system. And in turn, you can create torpedoes, antibodies, to those proteins by mistake. And those antibodies don't do you any good at all. They in turn can attack your thyroid or other parts of your body and create autoimmune reactions. That is a big waste of time for your body. So getting away from those animal proteins is a good idea. Yeah, and that brings us to Ali's question, who was wondering straight up whether milk weakens the immune system. So if you do eat that bowl of ice cream and drink that glass of milk after dinner every night, is that immune system going to be a little bit weaker than the next person who might be eating that plant-based diet? Yes, we shouldn't be exposing ourselves to animal proteins at all, and certainly not dairy proteins at all. And that's an important thing because when I was a kid growing up, we thought that, well, milk is good, just don't have the whole milk. Have the skim milk or the 2%. You're taking out the fat, and that's a good idea because that fat is mostly saturated fat, the dairy fat. It's, so that's actually the leading source of saturated fat. It raises the risk of Alzheimer's. It raises the risk of heart disease. But if all I've done is take the fat out of the milk and I left the protein behind and all the lactose sugar behind, that protein is the part that is riling up the immune system. So take it, replace it with a healthy plant-based uh, milk or if water is your beverage, you can't do better. All right. I want to send this entire episode out to uh, an exam roomie who's joining us now by the name of Leilani Ford. And Leilani is um, wondering, they say that they're new to all of this stuff, so I'm excited that they're here. They're wondering, what do you do when you're sick instead of eating chicken soup? Because they're new to this, so they're looking for ideas. What would you recommend instead of that chicken soup, Dr. Barnard? Okay, well, so many people grew up with this idea that mom came in with, or grandma came in with some chicken soup to help us get better. You know, what got you better was time and the love of the, your mom. The, the traces of chicken fat in the soup, that's a placebo. That doesn't do anything. So if you went to the store and you got your not chicken soup, I'm talking about the vegan versions of minestrone vegetable soup, whatever you are, whatever they are, they are just as tasty and much healthier. There you go. 
And it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. It really doesn't. Just take the chicken out of the soup and you're good to go. Let the vegetables go to work for you. Yeah, um, and you'd be glad because you don't see that little kind of yellow oil slick on the top of the soup. Dude, all right. All right. So real talk, that always kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies growing up. Like when you would open the can and it's had like chicken or pork or whatever was in there. There really were. There were like these globs of just like chunks of grease or fat that would float to the top and you're just like... Yeah, you didn't want that. No, no, it was never appetizing. Never, ever, ever, ever. Um, Okay, speaking of fat, um, Cheney, my doctor told me that beef liver helps strengthen the immune system. Is there any truth to that? Interesting advice there. Um, In a word, no. (laughs) Um, Back in the 1950s, people would say um, accurately that beef liver had a lot of iron. Anybody who's over about 60 or 70 remembers the Geritol commercial saying, Geritol has more iron than a whole pound of calves liver. Um, and what they were using us for comparison was the idea that the liver, that the liver is loaded with iron and that iron is supposed to be helpful. However, in the decades that followed, we realized that while we need a little bit of iron, you need it for hemoglobin so that your, your blood can carry oxygen. But if you have too much, it causes free radicals that are damaging. So the truth is that beef liver has a lot of iron in it. The, what is not true is that that, is, is that, that helps you. It's a problem. Uh, it's got way too much iron. Along with it comes a huge load of cholesterol, a huge load of fat, and not even a drop of vitamin C. So take that liver, feed it to your cat. Your cat is a carnivore and will do perfectly fine with it. You are a primate and you don't do so well with beef liver. All right, let's talk tea. It's tea time, Dr. Barnard. Uh, We already did chicken soup for the soul or non-chicken soup for the soul. J.A. at 1224, though, the other big thing that people turn to, cup of tea. What tea helps the immune system? Do you have your own recipes that you use for yourself? So first of all, what is a good tea? Maybe green? Green tea, it's funny you mentioned that. There has been a huge amount of research on green tea because like green, say extra virgin olive oil has that little greenish color in the bottle. Green tea, same same thing. Those are polyphenols, and they're, they have a number of health effects, including some immune-boosting effects. So if you're going to have tea, have green tea. However, green tea is not decaffeinated. So typically, uh, when it's served, so be a little bit careful about that. Uh, caffeine, is that no good for the immune system, or what's what's the score? Oh, no, no. You know, it's, it's irrelevant. It's not going to hurt the, immune, the immunity. It's just a surprise. Sometimes people think that when they're getting green tea, that it doesn't have that high octane in it that's gonna make you jittery or keep you awake. It's it's got it, it's made from the same plant. It's made from the very same plant as as black tea. Gotcha. Okay. I don't think a lot of people know that. Um so would your recommendation then be maybe an herbal tea, maybe a hibiscus, which is absolutely delicious? Oh no, green tea is perfectly fine. Okay. I, I didn't I didn't mean to say it's it's, it's uh, bad for you. It's just it does have the caffeine. That's all that's all I mean to say. No, green tea, A okay, and probably the best studied of all of these. Do you dress yours up when, when you're having a cup or are you just a straight tea drinker kind of a guy? Uh, neither one. I, I actually don't do tea uh, because I'm one of these people who I don't, I just don't like being caffeinated. I can feel it. Um, so it, it, is, it is not my personal friend. Gotcha. Um, so, so you could get polyphenols if you have a diet that's really rich in vegetables and fruits of all kinds. 
So that's my, that's my better choice. You know what? Uh, so you're talking about uh, the polyphenols and fruits and vegetables of all kinds. Well, let's take a question from Izzy. Great segue there. Uh, fruits, vegetables, all kinds comes in all kinds of colors. So she's wondering what it is about the color of food that can really help out with the immune system as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, if you look at uh, a carrot, that bright orange color is beta carotene. That's an antioxidant. If you look at a tomato, that bright red color, that's lycopene. That's an antioxidant. If you look at uh, a grape or a blueberry, that deep purplish blue color, those are anthocyanins, uh, which is a, a pretty big paint box that nature uses, even the leaves on the trees uh, as they turn orange in the fall. Those are, that's a different variety of anthocyanins. What they all have in common, the beta carotene, the lycopene, the anthocyanins, they're all powerful antioxidants. And your body is designed for that. Uh, your body needs those antioxidants. You absorb them, you put them to work. And that's part of the reason, I believe, why we have color vision. You know, if you were a cat, and cats are not designed, if I can put it this way, to be eating things like fruits. Cats are carnivores, and their eyes are, they, they don't have our color vision but they are highly attuned to motion, which helps them to be a carnivore. But for us, you know, we don't need to sneak up on a strawberry. Um, so we don't need to be particularly fast and we're not attuned to motion. But our retina can recognize an antioxidant at 300 yards. And so those are the foods that we should be including in our routine. Of course, uh, the bad news is we take those same colors now, we put them in an M&M's thing. But, <laughs> but, but the, um, the actual colors are... And the reason we perceive them, and, and by the way, we always think they're attractive. Nobody ever thought, oh, that orange color of, an, of a carrot, I hate it. No, we, you know, the brain translates it into, I want that. And uh, that's because our body naturally does well with a high antioxidant diet. That's, that's fascinating. And that's why M&Ms are those colors, Skittles, Starburst, like all the candy that's been given out here over the last uh, 24 to 48 hours, man. I'm telling you, there's, there's a daggone good reason for that. And you just nailed it. Um, yep. I want to go back to the color green, though, and tea, because we do have a lot of follow-up questions about green tea. People are wondering, well, okay, if we don't get the caffeine, what about buying decaffeinated green tea? Can you get the same effect there? Yeah, yeah, very likely. They're, they're taking out the caffeine perfectly fine. Okay. Uh, and Patricia, uh, soup to nuts, is green tea better than orange juice for giving the immune system an old shot in the arm? They're different. Um, the, the orange juice has the vitamin C in it. The green tea has the polyphenols. So you really want both in your diet. And so that's why you're not going to have just a thousand oranges today. You're going to be having oranges and other fruits and vegetables and beans for the zinc. So you want the, you want, uh, the, the whole painting box if you can. All right, what would you say to Philippa, who drinks masala tea, and that includes ginger, cinnamon, and plant-based milk, wondering whether or not that would get Dr. Barnard's thumbs up or not? It, yeah, perfectly fine. You don't need to junk it up too much, so be careful about, um, traditionally, people might be adding cow's milk products to it. You definitely don't want that. So um, simpler is always better. I like the way you put that. Don't junk it up. That's that's just good advice right there for so many things. Uh, Chris Clark, 1225, what are your thoughts about wild blueberries? Would you consider adding these beauties to your top five list? Berries are great in every way. They are loaded with anthocyanins. And in fact, at Harvard University years ago, they talked about which foods, when people bring them into their diet, you might be bringing in more berries, more uh, avocados, more 
whatever it is, more potato chips, you name it, which foods tend to stimulate more weight loss? At the very top of that list was berries. So blueberries, strawberries, raspberries, the more the better. They help us to slim down and they have the anthocyanins that are immune boosters too. Let's talk mushrooms. A lot of people are chatting it up about mushrooms today. Uh, AJ, 1235. I don't hear too much about mushrooms in the whole food plant-based space. What is the lowdown on mushrooms, Dr. Barnard? Healthy? Will they help the immune system help you in other ways? Yeah. Well, first of all, they're healthy. They're good. They don't have any cholesterol, no animal fat. That's uh, a good thing. Now, on the other hand, uh, when if you were to just harvest mushrooms and pop them into your mouth, I would suggest you not do that. Um, not only do you want to make sure that you're having safe mushrooms, but you want to cook them a little bit because nature causes the mushroom to create a little bit of formaldehyde, not making this up. And so there can be some formaldehyde, not, not a lot, but it's just traces in the raw mushroom. Cooking knocks it out. Now, the big talking point of a mushroom, though, is breast cancer prevention. There have been a number of studies that show that when women include a fair amount of mushrooms in their routine, their risk of breast cancer goes down. So it's a good thing. All right. A really quick one from Rebecca, and then we'll take two more. Wondering whether active people need more protein than sedentary people by and large. They do, but not a lot more. Uh, and, And you don't really have to try for it because if you're active, you just ran your 5K, you're naturally more hungry. And so that hunger drives you to have a little bit more food. So you get the carbohydrates to regenerate your glycogen, which is those stored energy batteries for you for your next run. And because you ate more, a little more protein comes along with it naturally. So you don't have to go racing around for protein bars or any other really high protein food. Uh, You do need a little bit more protein, but not a lot. All right. And uh, let's go back to colors in the food. You mentioned beta carotene. Sweet potatoes are orange. Going to have some beta carotene there. Dom is wondering whether sweet potatoes are, in fact, a healthier option than regular potatoes in terms of just helping your immune system. Uh, Yes and yes. Um, Both regular potatoes and sweet potatoes are fine. Sometimes baked potatoes get a bad rap. People think, well, potatoes, it's just starch, it's just calories. But when you look at people who have really had a lot of potatoes in their diet, they're getting plenty of protein from the potato. That's right. It's not all starch. It's, it's more balanced nutrition than that. And they tend to lose weight and be very healthy. Uh, the problem comes in when you slice the potato into chips and we fry it and all that grease comes in along with the calories and other things you don't want. So the potato is great. But its cousin, the sweet potato, that comes out of the ground with just what you said, a huge amount of beta carotene, which is an antioxidant and a cancer fighter. All right. And let's end with vitamin D. We were talking a little bit about dairy earlier. AJ is wondering whether vitamin D can help the body fight off viral respiratory infections. That's a pretty like specific question there. What's the connection between the two? Well, that's actually true. Um, researchers have studied vitamin D and the typical way we typically find is that when people are low in vitamin D, they tend to be more susceptible to respiratory infections. If they are not low in vitamin D, they tend to repel them a little bit better. We don't know exactly the reasons for it, but there is something about vitamin D that helps strengthen the immune system, both against infections and also, we believe, against cancer cells that may arise. Now, follow-up to this might be where should my vitamin D come from? And so if you're picking up a carton of milk and it says vitamin D milk, 
That means they just dumped some extra vitamin D in at the factory so they could put it on the label. You don't want that source. Vitamin D naturally comes from sunlight. So the sunlight on your skin, if you get about 20 minutes of sunlight every day on your face and on your arms, you'll get a pretty good amount of vitamin D. Now, different pigmentation, different geography, different weather patterns can affect all of this. So if you're not at the equator, uh, and if you're in Rochester, Minnesota this time of year, you may not be getting the vitamin D from its natural source. In that case, supplements okay. Most doctors nowadays are saying about 2,000 IUs a day, that's international units, is a good amount. You know, and and I'm thinking about specifically the respiratory infections and just recalling when I was drinking dairy, a lot of milk every day, how congested I usually felt. And even though it did have the vitamin D, I can't imagine that that congestion was doing me any kind of favors in terms of making sure that my respiratory system was on the up and up and nice and healthy. That's exactly right. They can add vitamin D, they can add vitamin A to it, but the dairy proteins itself elicit a reaction all the way up and down the respiratory tree from the sinuses all the way down to your lungs where people are often coughing and, and phlegmy, and, which is one of the big reasons why professional singers will say, I don't want any dairy because it goofs up in my respiratory system. Good for them, but it's also good for you if you don't want to catch cold in the, in the wintertime. All right. I want to say hi as we wind down here to KS, who wrote this on YouTube, left a comment recently that I just wanted to highlight because this is really cool. Tell me what you think about this, Dr. Barnard. KS writes, I'm 62, have been vegetarian since I was eight years old and vegan on and off throughout the years, but have now been vegan for 10 years. Never liked milk, so I never drank it, only ate cheese sparingly. I have never had a broken bone or a fracture, even with a very busy life. And I used to dirt bike and trail race and race walk and hike and climb lift weights, etc. Only recently, though, did I fracture three ribs, but they healed in just two months. Being vegan and vegetarian has only made me stronger. So don't fear uh, what the dairy industry says and that you do not need milk to have healthy, strong bones. 62 years old, you go through life without so much as a fracture until recently, and I think you're doing pretty darn good. And to recover from broken ribs in such a short amount of time, that's pretty incredible too. Absolutely. You know, the dairy industry will say, well, you need calcium. When your bones have calcium, that's right. So you do need some. But the cow didn't make calcium. The only reason there's calcium in milk is that the cow ate grass, and green leafy vegetables of all kinds have lots and lots of calcium. So if you eat it as broccoli or Brussels sprouts or other green leafy vegetables, you'll get the calcium nature had in mind for you in a form that's actually more absorbable than the calcium in milk. And I like what she said about being physically active. Give your bones a reason to live. That gives that calcium something to do. And so uh, the combination of having the calcium from the natural source, be physically active. Don't forget that sunlight for vitamin D because that helps you to absorb the calcium That's a pretty good combination. All right. Well, the judge is going to find me guilty for sneaking one more question in, as I often do. It's just because I'm looking at this from Mar 11, and it makes me laugh. 1244, is it possible, Dr. Barnard, to eat too many dates? Because those are one of those foods that taste so good, you can really go through a ton in a hurry. So is it possible to overdo it there? I think you gave me our next research study. <laughs> I, have, I have never been posed this question, Chuck, but we are gonna, we're going to find out what is the LD50 of the date. I don't right. know. 
Hey, look, let me go ahead and volunteer for that right now. Y'all can take all the blood you need as long as you just give me the dates. Just give me the dates. We'll call it good. All right. Today's episode of The Exam Room Live has been powered by the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund. You know, the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund supports organizations like the Physicians Committee that carry on Greg's love for animals by promoting plant-based health and working to end animal abuse while emphasizing programs that promote systemic change and also benefit us people. Check them out online right now at GregoryRyderFund.org. See it spelled out there on your screen. Ryder, R-E-I-T-E-R, fund. Org. Check out everything that they're up to. So much good work, so much hard work that Allison Mahoney and the team there are doing. Again, I say it every time you're on the show, I'm just in awe of what it is that they do because we have an enormous operation at the Physicians Committee. And Allison is working with a very small crew and oftentimes as a one-man band to do everything that she's doing with the Rider Fund. I just, I am in awe of her and everyone there. Me too. Allison has been such a friend. She's a, been a friend to animals. She's been a friend to all the work that we've been doing over the years and has really carried Greg's heart and Greg's vision forward in such a beautiful way. And I do believe she's going to be joining us on November 7th, so less than a week now, in Washington at the National Press Club for our big show with the Esselstyn family. Tickets still on sale, pcrm.org slash events. There's a link in the episode notes and in the show description for you right now as well. And if you feel like you raised your health IQ by a point or two, be sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel as well. But Dr. Barnard, my friend, that is all the time that we have for today. Thanks for being here and stowing all of your wisdom with us once again the top five list on point and i know i'm feeling a lot better about keeping my immune system healthy and strong as we head into the cold winter months well i'm gonna go out and shop some red clothes and i'll see you at the press club The Exam Room Live every Wednesday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Physicians Committee's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Join us. Join us live. Set a reminder. Mark your calendar so that you can ask our experts your questions right then and right there. And yes, we do save the questions. And a lot of times we are able to get to them in episodes down the road. But really getting there getting involved in the chat, talking to the other exam roomies as we do this live is the best opportunity for you to participate and get your question answered. So again, Wednesdays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on YouTube and on Facebook. Our guest on the show next week will be the one and only Dr. Will Bolsowitz coming back for a gut health checkup after a couple of months. It'll be good to catch up with Dr. B and see what's new with him. And what's new with you? How's your health IQ? Is it up a point or two? That was the goal today. And if it is, don't forget, please follow and subscribe on Apple or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And when you do that, please also leave a five-star rating and a nice review. And to that end, I wanted to share a great review that was left by a woman, an exam roomie by the name of Solo Woman on Apple Podcasts. And she titled her five-star review, Reasons why I love this show. And so Solo Woman writes, number one, it's evidence-based. Number two, the guests are either experts in their fields who actively work within and study the science of health and diet, or are regular people who have changed their lives for the better with whole food plant-based eating. Anecdote is not presented as evidence, and the experts are open to all information as long as it is backed by solid science. She is absolutely right there. 
she's absolutely 100% right. Number three, humbly, oh boy, Chuck is the most steady, positive, and affirming host with an experience of reclaiming his health via whole food plant-based eating. He's dubbed the weight loss champion for good reason, having lost literally hundreds of pounds and kept it off. And as an Australian, I especially love when he says, dog on. Well, dog on. There you go. Appreciate you. And number four, it doesn't try to sell you stuff. No. The only thing we are trying to sell you on is, in fact, a healthier life. And that is the goal. Because at one point, I did not think that a healthier life was ever going to be possible. And being on the other side of that, I realized just how sweet it can be. And I want everybody to experience that. And that's why we present the information that we do here on the show. Solid science-backed facts that can really help you improve your health no matter what. You know, I was in a doctor's office recently, and one of the nurses who I was talking to was telling me how she has diabetes. And she's like, you know, it runs in my family and there's really nothing I could do. It was just kind of my time. And she was telling me about the injections that she has to get every day. And I just felt sorry for her having to give these injections in her belly. She said four times a day, she said that they really sting and they burn and she doesn't want to do them. But diabetes runs in her family and there's nothing she could do about it. And then I told her about all the people who have been on this show, the experts, the patients themselves, who go over how to reverse diabetes, take back control of your insulin resistance. And she had no idea that that was even possible. And it was one of the greatest conversations that I've ever had in a doctor's office. And I truly do hope that this particular nurse is able to build off of that conversation. Listen to some episodes, get into the research, and find out that maybe, just maybe, she can be like so many others who have found the power of nutrition and lifestyle medicine and have been able to reverse their diabetes or at the very least see dramatic, dramatic improvements. And that's my goal with her. And it's not lost on me that this was a nurse either, someone who works in the medical profession. And that's why so many of these conversations that we have, all of the conversations that we have can be so impactful. And we want to get up there on the mountaintop and just shout it as loud as we possibly can. Everything that we know about nutrition, we want to get in people's faces and let them know that this is the way. But the conversation really needs to happen organically. And in this case, it was organic. She volunteered. And we just began having a conversation. It wasn't preaching. It was non-judgmental. Just gave her something to think about. It planted the seed. It planted the seed for plant-based eating, and it is my hope that she will be able to really water that seed and watch it grow and take back her health. Because as a nurse, I can tell you that there will be nothing more powerful than her ability to share her own personal success story with patients. And that is how we make a difference. 
also invited her to our show on November 7th in Washington, D.C. with the Esselstyns. Can't wait for that. So don't forget pcrm.org slash events or click the link in the episode notes to pick up yours today. National Press Club, going to be a good time. And then I'm going to be off to Houston on November 18th for the Montgomery Heart and Wellness Summit. That will be a great time as well. And then here you go, hot off the press. I've been saying that this may be coming and now we can officially announce that I will be in New York on November 28th in the Garment District for Plantathon, which is with Plant Powered Metro New York. Everything's going to kick off at six o'clock. I've got details up on my Instagram and X, formerly known as Twitter. If you want to join in the fun, you can check out all the details there. I am at Chuck Carroll, WLC, but that is Tuesday, November 28th at six o'clock down in the Garment District for Plantathon 2023. But for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Neil Barnard for being here, raising our health IQs and bolstering our body's natural ability to fight off viruses, bacteria, take our immune system to that next level. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always... Keep it plant-based.